Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I get to introduce my lovely wife. So, my lovely wife is going to come up and she's bringing the message today, which is a ton of fun for me because I'm her biggest fan. Well, Jesus is her biggest fan and then me. So, wife. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to just pray, God, help us to get up. Help us to not stay stuck. Help us to move. Amen. All right. I want to just get right in it because I want to make sure I cover everything. I don't want to keep you here all day. Um, But for about a month now, this has just been burning on my heart. And so I just am excited to, to share this with you guys. I think God's got some great stuff. Um, throughout this uh, summer mixtape series. I love that we get to hear from some different voices throughout the month of August. That's, that's fun and, and just a, kind of a treat to get to hear some different, different voices. So let's start with John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who are sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after stirring up the, the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who, was, who had been ill for 38 years. In other translations, it said he'd been lame or paralyzed. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. So let's just start off with setting the the scene. So this is during a feast. There was three main feasts, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Passover, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which required Jewish men to travel from whatever city, town, whatever they lived in, and travel to the city of Jerusalem. So we know that Jerusalem's a busy place during this time. There's a lot of people. So, so this man not having anybody to put him in the pool is ridiculous because there's a lot of people. Um, so yeah, during, the season, during these feasts, they would be symbols. So they were meant to celebrate these as like remembrance, acts of remembrance of the things that God had done for the Jews, the deliverances and, and the different things. And, and the beauty of them was that they were a type, they were a symbol of the things that the Messiah was coming to do. So during this season, this feast that they're celebrating of the symbolism that would point to the Messiah, he's actually there. That's pretty cool. So this pool of Bethesda, Bethesda means house of mercy or house of loving kindness, depending on the translation. So there's this superstition around the pool of Bethesda. And the pool is believed to have healing properties. And this superstition was that an angel would descend periodically, stir the water, and the first person 
to make it in there would be healed. Did we see that? Did it make its way in there? So this is, this is the people of the time. They're not actually a little stitious. They are very superstitious at this time. So the superstition is that an angel would descend periodically, stir the water, and the first person to make it in there would be healed. This is actually some pretty flawed and weak theology, if you ask me. One person every so often. Imagine if we did that here. Imagine if at the end of the service, instead of saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this message? What do you want me to do with what I've heard? Pastor Travis came up and said, when you see things stirring up here, the first one to make it to this black line, you will get a miracle. I don't think we'd last very long. The other thing that would be terrible is that you probably would stop inviting people to church because if you needed a miracle and there was only one every so often, you're going to want to save it for yourself. And that's just not the image that, that God has for the church. So I just want to mention, some translations do not mention verse 4. It's a bit controversial. According to scholars, the oldest and most authenticated transcripts do not have this sentence in it. And it appears to be an attempt to explain the cultural happenings of the time, sort of the superstition and what was going on in order to explain like why people were in Bethesda. So it is more to inform us of the practices of the day. So next to the pool of Bethesda, kind of kitty corner, is the temple of Asclepion. So the pools are located just like there's a walkway between them and then there's the temple there, and the temple of Asclepion is built to worship the god Asclepius, the Greek god of water and healing. And the Greeks believed that Asclepius was the one stirring the waters. He had a staff, his symbol was a staff with a serpent that crawled up it. And so the Jews couldn't assign that credit to Asclepius, so they would assign it to the angel of the Lord. So this is the setting that Jesus walks into during the Jewish feast. He sets his eyes on this man who's been lame for 38 years, and I love that Jesus doesn't need to introduce himself. He doesn't need to interview this guy. He doesn't need to get to know him. He already knows what's going on with him. He already knows what's been bothering him, how long he's been there, what's been ailing him, and why he's there. And Jesus says to him, do you wish to get well? The Passion Translation says, do you truly desire to be whole? This verb is a tricky one, and I am not an English scholar, so I tried to wrap my head around it. But to get or to be, that verb there is ginomai. It's a middle aorist imperative form of a verb. If you know what that is, you are doing well. It actually indicates a past tense in the midst of a present tense sentence. And it doesn't really mark time. So Jesus is actually saying to this guy, do you see yourself as healed? Do you desire your healing? Are you healed? So this man, he doesn't know who Jesus is. We can tell that because he addresses him as sir. Most people address him as Lord, master. This guy doesn't know who he is. And, and in all honesty, if you've been laying around for 38 years in a lot of pain and unable, you're probably not quite all there. He rambles on for a little bit about why this hasn't happened for him yet. Nobody's taken him there. And when he does try to get there, he can't get there fast enough. 
He doesn't seem, see himself as able to do anything about his healing. And without him having to do some ritual of getting into the pool, a task, or having had enough faith, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. He doesn't even have an understanding of what's about to happen. And Jesus pronounces, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. The book of John begins with this description of Jesus in John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being, and in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. So unlike other gospels that begin with the birth of Jesus, this human birth, John begins by reminding us that Jesus always was. He is God, and nothing has come into being apart from Jesus. The words that were spoken in life created, that was Jesus. So when Jesus says, get up and go, the book of John has already established for us that Jesus has divine authority to do that. Jesus calls this man's healing into being, not because of anything the man did, not because he demonstrated anything, any big faith. He does it because of his authority to do so and because he does the Father's will. Yeah. Next, what I love is that Jesus, on Asclepius' turf, so to speak, changes how they look at healing. This Greek God is supposed to have all this power, but he can only heal one person per season as he feels like it. And Jesus blows that wide open. Don't wait around here anymore. Get up and go. Asclepius may be called the Greek God of healing and water, but Jesus brings living water to all. Just the chapter before, in John chapter 4, Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at the well, and he has already told her, his, his disciples have heard him say, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. See, back in Jeremiah 2, 13, um, the prophet says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The pool of Bethesda is a man-made structure, a cistern that the men have created at the time, and they are putting their faith in this thing. But if you see in the image of the pool of Bethesda, it's big, but it's empty. So for, for years, thousands of people put their trust in a man-made pool, and today it sits empty. But the living water of Jesus is still going strong. 
Psalm 36, 7-9 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So Bethesda may mean the house of loving kindness, but it pales in comparison to the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. Jesus is the fountain of life. Living water comes from Him. As you can see, I'm not paralyzed, I'm not blind, and I'm not withered. Though the closer I get to 40, the more I feel like I am. But I have been paralyzed by fear by anxiety and panic attacks. I have been blinded by anger and impatience, and I have been withered and worn down by cruel words and traumas. So Jesus' words are not just for the physically impaired. Do you truly long to be healed? Do you see yourself being made whole? Jesus looks at me and at you and he sees it all, just as he knew this man's ailments. He knows the same about you and I, and in his divine authority, he calls us to stand up. See, maybe we miss the part where this man has been sitting lame for 38 years. After 38 years, this man has little muscle mass. His tendons are weak, and likely his joints are seized up, and yet Jesus tells him to get up and go, and he does. It says immediately the man stood, got, was well, stood up and walked. Guys, he didn't even stop to get Jesus' name. He started to walk and the guy said, who did this for you? And he turns around and he's like, ah, uh, I don't know. He was here a minute ago. Um, so he doesn't even know. He just got up and he went. You don't have to wait for your legs to support your weight. You do not need evidence of your ability you need evidence of his power and sovereignty that provides your ability. He calls things into being and they are so. Sometimes we need to get up even if we don't know we can. Just because he says we can. John 7, 37 to 39. This is the next feast the Feast of Tabernacles, again, another symbol of waiting for the Messiah. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But guys, we're on the other side of this story. Jesus has been glorified, and the Spirit has been given. Acts 1 tells us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Witnesses of the things he's done in your life. John 16, 7, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So even though I struggle with fear and anxiety and, and anger wants to rise up, I can stand. Yeah. Even though there have been hurts and trauma, Jesus heals it and makes it possible for me to stand. And we believe 
for physical, mental, emotional healing by the Logos Word who has always been and has divine authority and whose divine power lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Can I let you in on a little secret? So every time I get this mic, I get a little fearful, I get a little anxiety, I get some nerves, but I do it anyway. Because I've been given power to stand and do the thing I'm called to do. I want to make sure you understand. I understand feeling stuck. I understand feeling like you can't overcome trauma, pain. You don't want to revisit that. Feeling like you've tried or like no one else will help you get there. I deeply understand why we stay stuck in our pain and brokenness. The healing process is painful. We develop walls, we put up little tiny little boxes in our mental shelves and we, we walk away from things and we create coping mechanisms but the reality is we're still operating broken and in partial capacity. If we open up to healing to the hard work of confronting the traumas, our brokenness and let Jesus do the work of restoration and renewal, it can leave us feeling raw and vulnerable and exposed. Revisiting a trauma or confronting a symptom can be more painful than the initial shock of it all. But the promise is healing. It's wholeness. Do you see yourself whole? If you are thirsty, come to him. Pick up your mat and walk. I'll ask the worship team to come on up. As we consider these things that occur to your mind, when, you, when I ask, do you see yourself whole, that thing that occurs to you in your mind is maybe not. Maybe I don't want to revisit that. I'm not ready to forgive. I don't want to get over that one. You don't understand, Christine, this one hurts too much. I get it. I really do. So I'm going to ask you to be brave this Sunday to really consider and listen to Holy Spirit as he directs you with what he wants you to do with what you've heard. And if he's calling you to respond, get up. Pick up your mat, your hesitancy, your doubt, your inability, your reasons not to, and walk forward. Our prayer team wants to pray with you. And we say that every week, but we mean it. We want to pray with you. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and receive living waters and just stand in his presence. Do that. It's not just for one lucky person. It's for all who will come. God, we pray this morning that you would show us where we're, we're operating at half capacity the things that we've put on the shelf and don't want to deal with, the ways we've been walking lame, blind, withered. We ask you, God, to call that up in us so that we can confront it and receive healing and freedom from that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.